Hello, and welcome to the Winter Faith Podcast. This is your host, Andy Frazier. This is Winter Faith with Frazier, and wow, I feel like it's been a long time since I've uh, recorded an episode. I know it hasn't been too long, but I just, uh, yeah, I feel like it's been a while. I've gone on some trips uh, with the church. I've um, been busy uh, with some other work stuff and some traveling, and so it's been it's been an interesting few uh, weeks for me. And so I, uh, yeah, I feel like it's been a little while, so it might be a little rusty uh, as I uh, get into podcasting here. This is episode 10. This is episode 10, and uh, one of the things that I have been experiencing as I do this podcast or as I'm more reflective and speaking out loud is that it can happen where really the podcast becomes almost a form of therapy, and I don't want to uh, work out all my therapeutic issues by myself talking to myself as I'm recording and other people are listening to it. This is not a really healthy way to do therapy. But I do find that speaking and being reflective out loud about my thoughts has been uh, helpful to me as I kind of process my life, process my hostile work environment that is my mind. And as I uh, deal with doubt, I deal with grief, I deal with pain in this past week, uh, specifically yesterday, there is a close friend of mine and close families of mine who are really hurting. People that that I deeply care about are really hurting, and so that has affected me as I think about their life and I think about what is going on in their life that that, that has uh, brought about some tears, some pain, some grief, in my own life, and I do, uh, I do seem to kind of have this circle or cloud of kind of skepticism, pessimism, doubt, however you want to say that. There always seems to be a cloud about that within me, but at times the cloud or the darkness or the doubt can be a little bit stronger than other times, and so right now I feel like that the circle of skepticism and pessimism and pain and grief is a little bit stronger uh, with me today. And so I am speaking from a place of, uh, of hurt, but at the same time, I think that I have processed it with some good friends, that I've had people listen to me. I've also had people not listen to me, but that's just kind of a part of the grieving process. I have a lot of people that are very, uh, very good intentioned, but sometimes they aren't uh, people that are the best listeners in my life. And then I have other people who are very good listeners and, and let me process. So as I think about um, this podcast, I, I just want people to know that, you know, that uh, there are times in life where we feel a deeper sense of doubt and grief. And we have a deeper questioning of kind of what, what is going on in this world that we live in. So I usually uh, don't do this, but uh, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to read from a book that is very impactful to me, and this is written by Shane Claiborne. The name of the book is called The Irresistible Revolution, and he is quoting Mother Teresa. So I want us to listen to this. 
Mother Teresa always said, Calcuttas are everywhere if we only have the eyes to see. So find your Calcutta. Now, Calcutta is a very poor part of the world where Mother Teresa worked for many years in a area of deep poverty filled with death, filled with disease. Mother Teresa was not called Mother Teresa. I don't know if people uh, know that or not, but she was referred to just as Mother. And she would hang out with the kids, uh, mostly young kids, people who were sick, people who were dying, people that needed hugs, people that needed somebody to hold their hand as they were dying. And so one of the one of the things that I think about is how do I find my Calcutta? How do I find my Calcutta? How do I find places of deep pain and deep sorrow? And one of the ways that I have found my Calcutta is in the Christian Recovery Program, uh, places where I see people that are deeply hurting in isolation and loneliness, and that's coming from drugs, it's coming from alcohol, it's coming from pornography, it's coming from all sorts of places, but when people enter into a uh, Christian recovery program, we do see a lot of the real pain and brokenness that exists in this world. Another place that I have found my Calcutta is in hospital settings. So being a um, hospital chaplain um, allowed me to enter a lot of rooms, enter into a lot of places that I might not normally be welcomed and I would enter into families that were in deep pain, um, sometimes dealing with physical pain, sometimes dealing with emotional pain, sometimes dealing with death from cancer or heart disease or a heart attack, uh, maybe some extreme situations of a car accident. But as I entered into those Calcuttas at the hospital rooms, you see I saw a lot of loneliness, a lot of despair, a lot of emotional problems in people. And so those are, you know, places that, that I've seen and kind of found my Calcutta, which was in hospital settings and in recovery programs. I also think I have found Calcutta when I look inside my own life, that I have seen moments in my life where I have lived isolated away from Christian community um, where I have been a person who is not um, drawing in and drawing near to God, but I am pulling away from God. So sometimes even in a crowded room of a church setting, we can still be in Calcutta. We can go to a church of 500, 700, 1,000, 2,000 people, and we can be surrounded by people, but yet still feel alone and still feel like we're in Calcutta that we are in a place of disease, we are in a place of sickness, we are in a place of loneliness, of despair, grief, and pain. And one of the things that Jesus talks about is that he did not come for the righteous, but he came for those who are sick. Luke, being a physician, talks about Jesus coming to um, heal the sick, and, and Luke, being a physician himself, probably saw a lot of people who were sick. But one of the things that I always turn to when I'm, when I'm thinking about Calcutta inwardly as I deal with my own grief is I turn to 
the Psalms, and I turn to the Lament Psalms specifically of David. And these are places that I have found deep, deep healing, because these words are words that I can say. These are words that are in the Holy Bible, which sometimes doesn't feel so holy when we look at the stories of violence, and we look at the stories of murder, and we look at the stories of adultery, and we look at the stories of war. Sometimes it doesn't feel like such a holy Bible, but I do believe uh, it's it's okay to call it the holy Bible. But when we look at the Bible, um, one of the things that I really like is all the lament, because the lament connects me to my own experience. And if you haven't had experiences of lament, if you haven't written down in a journal, where are you, God? Why is it taking so long? Why do I have so much grief? Why do I see so much pain? If you haven't been in moments like that, then I rejoice that you haven't had moments like that. But I think part of the human experience, which I talk about on this podcast, the human experience is one that has grief. It is one that has pain. It is one that has doubt. That faith is a part of doubt, and that doubt is a part of faith. That we cannot separate these things, but we must acknowledge that you can't have one um, without the other. That that the the continual daily faithfulness of a any religion, but specifically I'm talking about Christianity. But any religion, you have to have the ability to wake up today and say, you know what, I am going to believe this. You know what, I am going to try to live out my life as a believer. So the book of Psalms um, has all these, uh, about half of them, as I've mentioned, are filled with lament. And specifically, I want to read some words of Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession into the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the, the festivities. But yet, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. So I'm going to stop there. I read to about uh, the middle of verse 5, but I want to just reiterate some of these things. So this is a person crying out, God, where are you? Where can I go and meet you? It's a person who said, you know, I've led, I've led these joyous festivities in church. I've led these joyous festivities in, in sacrifices and festivals of joy and thanksgiving. But yet, why am I so downcast? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so disturbed within me? Why am I so downcast? Why am I so sad? And I love, love, love verse 3. My tears have become my food day and night. There are moments, and I think for me, even last night was kind of this moment, or a lot of yesterday, where my tears just kind of kept coming. I probably had, I want to say three or four times when I was thinking about this family that was really hurting. 
And I had three or four times that I was just crying. And usually it was in the presence of getting a text message of some sad news. It was in the it was in the context of talking to someone over the phone. And I would think about friends of mine who were hurting deeply today and my tears would come. And now as I've kind of worked through that about, you know, maybe within the last 24 hours, that really my tears, just like this says, they were my food. They were what sustained me yesterday. And there are times of joy in Thanksgiving, but there are also times of joy. And so I think it is just important to remember that there's always this balance that occurs. There's always this struggle that occurs uh, within me and maybe within you. So as I um, think about kind of like what has shaped me or allowed me, I think that really the Psalms of David have really given me permission to be who I can be. So I think anytime I am hiding my tears, anytime I am suppressing my emotions, anytime I am escaping from my emotions that that I don't want to have within me, then um, I run away from the Psalms at times, but then sometimes I need to go to the Psalms. And so I want to uh, focus on um, another Psalm here. So this is, uh, I just read Psalm 42. Now I'm going to go to Psalm 69. And Psalm 69 is another one of those that I really connect to as kind of a, a cry out to God for lament. Psalm 69, starting at verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You know my folly, O God. My guilt is not hidden from you. May those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. O Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. O God of Israel, for I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my own mother's sons. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the song of the drunkards. So, wow, some deep, deep words there. Save me, for the waters have come up to my neck. What an image. What an image to think of waters coming up. And I think we've all probably been underwater in a pool or in the ocean or in a lake, but that feeling of the waters coming up to your neck and how that can be like a very scary feeling. And then you sink into the depths of the miry depths where there is no foothold. So you lose your foothold. You can't, you know, you've kind of lost balance 
You think about a little kid who starts walking into the pool and all of a sudden it gets so deep and you can't put your foot on the ground. Or if you're like me and you're not a very good swimmer, you go out into the water and suddenly you can't put your foot on the ground. You have no foothold and you get a little get a little anxious, a little anxiety. And these deep waters, these deep waters engulf me. And this image in verse 3, I'm worn out for calling for help. My throat is parched. So I've been calling for help so long that I can't call anymore. I am physically exhausted. I am emotionally tired. I am sick of calling out for help. My throat actually hurts because I've been calling out for help so much. What a vivid image. And when you think about somebody drowning in water with water coming up to your neck, and you think about the water that is engulfing you, and you think about um, not having a foothold. All these words are kind of a loss of control, a loss of balance, a loss of maybe self, your physical body, your emotional body, you know, however you want to relate to that, that you are struggling to figure out where am I? And so you call out for help, but you call out for help so much that your throat starts to hurt. And, and then you start to think, okay, you know, how much worse, how much worse could this psalm get? And then he starts talking about people hating him for no reason, an innocent sufferer. And, and so many people hate him that it's like the hairs on his head, which, you know, some people have more hair on their head than others. I have a lot of hair on my head. But anyways, the, this idea that there's so many enemies you can't even count and that these enemies don't even have a cause. They have no reason, but yet they seek to destroy um, this person for no reason. So these waters um, that are engulfing you, these enemies that are hating you, there's a real strong sense of helplessness in this psalm. Real strong sense of helplessness. And I'm not going to get more into the text, but I just want us to, you know, take a second to think about we all have moments in our life where we feel helpless and one of the ways when we feel most helpless is when we know we can't really fix a problem for someone now this can be something as small as hey i don't have time i don't have time to come and uh fix the faucet that is broken in the kitchen for you. I don't, I don't have time to do it. So we can kind of feel maybe helpless about that small thing because I can't, I don't have the time. I have to be at work. Then I have to watch my kids. Um, then I have to, um, go, uh, run some errands or something. But so, so there's, I'm too busy in my day. I can't, I can't make it. So I have the ability to help you, but I can't make it because of of time. So that's one way we can feel helpless is we just feel like we're too busy and, and we can't go actually physically help someone that is something we could actually do. But then there's this other sort of helplessness that's not for sake of time, it's not for sake of ability, but it's actually a sake of helplessness because we, we can't fix it. If somebody is grieving the death of a child and I want to all of a sudden make that grief go away. I want to fix their grief. I want to fix their pain. Well, I can't, I can't bring their child back to life. I can't do that. I don't have the ability, and so I am helpless. So I look at a situation, and I have empathy. I see that people are in a dark, dark pit of despair, and I can't do anything to bring that child back. 
However, I can get in the pit with them. I can come and try to see the world from their perspective. I can try to be empathetic towards their situation. And I can try to uh, be sympathetic and, and write a card to someone or send an encouraging message to someone. But that feeling of helplessness, just like in this psalm of the guy who is writing the psalm, of David who's writing the psalm, that he feels helpless because his enemies outnumber him. He feels helpless because the waters are engulfing him. This is how uh, we can feel sometimes. We can be filled with anxiety. We can be filled with grief. We can be filled with doubt. And we can be so overwhelmed and feel like we can't fix anything that uh, we just kind of we just kind of sit in it. Um, we just sit with people sometimes. So as I, as I mentioned, a, uh, a family who, has, um, who is in deep, deep pain, we can sit with people and we can listen. And instead of uh, maybe saying, wow, I mean, I really, I really am, am thankful because cause now um, your child is in heaven instead of saying something like that we can say wow tell me about your child tell me what did he or she like to do with his or her time what did he or she like to listen to what kind of music did they like to listen to um, what kind of movies did he or she like to watch tell me about that person there is something compelling when we connect to the story of the person that we don't try to escape and move on and try to talk about where they are now where they are in heaven and where they are with god and where they are in a better place but when we can come and sit with a person and talk to them this is something that is very very meaningful when you can ask someone tell me about that person what was he or she like something so powerful about coming alongside and asking questions like that. I know I've mentioned on um, this podcast before that I have had um, close people in my life that are no longer living on uh, present earth, um, that I had four grandparents that really loved me and took care of me, and those four grandparents have all moved on to the next phase of, of their life and are no longer uh, living on earth in the same way uh, that I am. And I talk about uh, the relationship with uh, my really, really good friend, um, Gary. I believe I've mentioned Gary on here before. Um, my really good friend. And somebody told me once, well, if you're, you know, if you're going through this pain, if you feel like, you know, the waters are engulfing you, if you feel like the enemies are attacking you, if you feel like, you know, your your food and your drink are just tears and grief all day, well, why don't you actually sit down and write a letter to that person? Why don't you um, write uh, or talk to that person like they're standing right next to you? And this this thing is always is always kind of a weird thing to do. Um, you know, when I think about what it, what would it be like to talk to my grandparents today in 2017? What would it be like to um, try to reiterate a conversation or remake a conversation, recreate a conversation um, with one of my grandparents. And so one of the uh, practical things that I have done is watching home videos of 
uh, my, uh, of my deceased grandparents. And when I hear the voice of a grandparent that I haven't heard since 2001, it very much affects me. When I hear my grandpa play guitar for the first time since 2007 and I see it on a video, it really affects me. Even on my iPhone, I have a song and a sermon from my grandpa who I was named after. I was actually named after both my grandpas, but one of my grandpas was a preacher. So I have a sermon of his from 2001. I have a song of his on my phone, and I I don't listen to him often, but I do listen to them sometimes. So there is something about reaching back, and now now that I've processed through that grief fully, I'm able to really enjoy when I hear my grandparent on a video and I'm able to hear his voice. I'm really able to enjoy and and listen to the words of a song or the words of a sermon or the words, um, you know, my we have a video of my grandpa uh, having us open Christmas presents and my grandpa loved Christmas. And so opening Christmas presents and hearing him talk on this uh, VHS video from you know, whatever year it was when I was a child, um, there is something so powerful and there's something very joyful and very comforting of going back. So I don't know if you have that kind of access to people in your life that you've lost or moments in your life that are lost, but I just encourage you, if you have some old journals, go and read those old journals and they might not be as painful as you think. You might not be overcome by the grief because it's been a few years. And we often say time heals all wounds. I don't particularly think that's true, but I think if you work on your grief, if you work on your pain, if you work on whatever your struggle you're having through, then along with time, as you work through stuff, yes, you will you will find healing. And I also encourage you, if you're a person that is not expressing your emotions right now, if you are not finding a Calcutta within yourself, if you're not finding your Calcutta in other areas of your life where you're serving people and you're just trying to live in your pain and you don't know what to do, then I think reading some of the Psalms, I think journaling and writing would be helpful to you. I think talking to someone would be helpful to you. So whatever you're going through, I just, as I've always kind of said, just encourage you to talk about your grief. Don't try to escape from it. Talk about your doubt. Don't try to escape from it. Talk about your pain. Don't fr- don't try to escape from it. So whatever you are living in today, I just ask you to lift it up to your people that you trust in your life. And if you don't have people that you trust in your life, you know, maybe reach out and... Uh, you know, reach out to me. I'll certainly be willing to try to reach out to any resources that that I know. Um, But whatever you are living in in this moment, I just encourage you to to get it out in the open. So I uh, really appreciate you listening today. Uh, We looked at a lot of different things today. We talked about a lot of different things. I hope there was something helpful, even if it was just, hey, Psalm Psalm 69 was helpful to me, verse 1 through 2. That's fantastic. Or if it was Psalm 42, or if it was this idea of Calcutta and and Mother Teresa saying, hey, there's Calcuttas everywhere. If we only have the eyes to see them, find your Calcutta. Whatever you are going through, just embrace that today. Live in 
your joy, live in your grief, whatever emotion you have. I just encourage you to live in it today. So you can find out more of my work on andrewgfraser.com. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me um, on Facebook. Um, you can also look this podcast up on a- Apple iTunes, Winter Faith with Frazier. Really appreciate you listening, and I just hope that you can uh, continue to live into your emotions today. All right, thanks for listening. This is Andy, and this has been Winter Faith with Frazier. Yeah.